Father, thank you for your grace and your mercy. Thank you for your compassion and for your love. And thank you for the opportunity to give and to love and to serve. Bless this time now as we look at your word. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it was the week before Christmas. And Billy and Johnny were spending the night at Grandma's. And Grandma loved her little grandsons. How many of you have grandchildren? You know what it's like. She loved her grandsons, Billy and Johnny. And she also loved the Lord. And she was a very generous and sweet and kind lady. And the, the grandkids loved going to Grandma's house. And one of the reasons, because she got them nice gifts at Christmas, and uh, among a lot of other reasons. Well, it came time for Billy and Johnny to go to bed. And so um, Grandma gathers the two little boys together, and they're going to say their prayers. Normally, Grandma prays, and little boys, they don't really want to pray out loud, and so they listen to Grandma as she prays. But on this particular evening, little Johnny says, Grandma, I'll pray. And he folds his hands like this, and he begins to pray. And he says, Dear Lord, Thank you for mom and dad and for food and clothing. And then he gets really loud and says, and thank you for grandma. And for Christmas this year, I want a new bike, a new bumblebee transformer, and a new puppy. In Jesus' name, amen. His older brother, Johnny, kind of whispers in his ear and says, you don't have to shout. God's not hard of hearing. And uh, little Johnny says, I know, but Grandma is. <laughs> Aren't you glad we serve a God who hears your prayers? Every word that's shouted. Every word that's whispered. The prayers, the thoughts, the intentions, the desires of your heart... God hears you, and he tells you to call upon him. He told his people in the Old Testament, in Jeremiah 33, 3, he says, Call upon me, and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you know not. In the New Testament, he told his disciples, Ask. And it shall be given you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door shall be opened. For everyone who asks receives. And he who seeks finds. And the one who knocks the door shall be opened. He tells us to all things. That all things whatsoever we shall ask in prayer. Believing we shall receive. Our God is a God who is a generous giving God. James 1.17 says that every good and perfect gift comes from above, from our Heavenly Father. Isn't that incredible? James says you have not because you ask not. Now, sometimes he goes on to say we ask and don't receive because our motives are not right. 
But our God is a God who wants us to come to him boldly asking for God to do great things in and through and for and to our lives. Aren't you glad we serve a God who's a generous giving God? Amen? So grateful for that. Not only is our God a God who hears, but our God is a is a, a generous God, an extravagantly giving God. Think about it. If you have a friend who says, I want to get you a gift for Christmas, that's, that's nice, and you appreciate that, do you not? But suppose Jeff Bezos, the founder of Amazon, or Mark Zuckerberg, the founder of Facebook, or Bill Gates, the founder of Microsoft, or Warren Buffett, one of the greatest financial entrepreneurs in the entire world, says, I want to give you an extravagant gift. How many of you think you would be excited about that? You would lie awake at night thinking about what is he going to give me? It's going to be incredible. It's going to change my life. Well, you have someone who has more, owns more than all of those people combined Ultimately, everything belongs to our God, and He has given you the most extravagant gift of all. When He sent Jesus Christ to this earth to be born as a baby, wrapped in those swaddling clothes, lying in a manger, to grow up and live a perfect, sinless life and one day die on the cross for your sin and mine. We received the greatest gift of all when we received Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord. That's why we celebrate Christmas, because Christ came. The Apostle John speaks to this in his letter. He wrote to some Christians back in the first century. Let's take a look at it, starting in 1 John chapter 4, verse 9. This is how God showed His love among us. He sent His one and only Son, His only begotten Son, into the world that we might live through Him. Isn't that incredible? God sent his only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, into this world that you might live because of Him. Romans 5, 7, and 8 says, Scarcely for a righteous man one would die, perhaps for a good man some might even dare to die. But God demonstrated His love for you in that while you were yet a sinner, Jesus Christ came to this earth and He died on the cross for your sin. Think about it. He did not wait for you to even think about it, attempting to get your act together. Jesus Christ saw you there in your sin. He said, I will die for you. 2 Corinthians 5, 21 says, God made Him who knew no sin to become sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. 2 Corinthians 8 9 says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. 
Isn't that incredible what God has done for us? Jesus said it like this in John 3, 17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Think about it. Jesus Christ came for you. That you might have a personal relationship with him and one day live with him forever. Philippians chapter 2 verses 5 and following says your attitude should be like the attitude of Jesus Christ. That even though he was God, he did not consider equality with God as something to be grasped. But he humbled himself as a servant even to the point of dying on the cross for your sin. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and given him a name that is above every name. That in the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Do you believe that? Back to 1 John chapter 4, verse 10. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. We love that. That Jesus Christ came. He was born. He lived a perfect, sinless life. And he died on the cross for our sin. Thank God that he did. God loved us sacrificially. But here's the challenge. Go to verse 11. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. So here's the deal. We all love having the grace of God poured out on our lives. Do we not? Absolutely. Think about what God did for you in sending Jesus to die for you. Turn to your neighbor and say, Jesus died for you. And some of you are like, Jesus died for you. It's like, that's a good thing. Suppose that, ladies, your husband bought you a $3,000 ring yesterday. You think you'd say, yeah, I got a ring from my husband. He probably wouldn't do that, would you? My wife would still be falling over dead, you know, because that just wouldn't happen. Or guys, suppose uh, your wife bought you a brand new pickup truck yesterday. How many of you say, yeah, my wife got me a pickup truck yesterday. It's kind of nice. They say, you won't believe what my wife bought me, right? I don't know how we're going to pay for it, but I, this, is, this is amazing. Listen, you got something a lot more amazing than a pickup truck. You got Jesus. Isn't that much more amazing than a pickup truck or a diamond ring or anything else like that? Money can't buy what God gave you in Jesus Christ. But receiving the gift of salvation doesn't just mean, hey, I got a, an amazing gift. No, as Frank Stagg used to say at Southern Seminary, Receiving Jesus Christ is both gift and demand. He calls us to follow him. 
In Luke 9, 23, Jesus said, If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Following Jesus Christ is not just receiving gifts. Following Jesus Christ is taking up a cross and following him, where sometimes we may not want to go. It's being obedient to him in the hard places of life, when life does not make sense, and when you don't want to do it, and you don't want to follow Jesus. Like, okay, God, if you're calling me to do this, I'm saying yes. Think about the stuff that Jesus has told us to do. Take the Lord's Prayer, for example. In the middle of the Lord's Prayer, Jesus says, forgive us our debts, our trespasses, we might say our sins, as we have forgiven others of their sins. Think about it. Think about the person who has offended you the most in all the world. What if you were willing to forgive them knowing that the amount of forgiveness you give them is the amount of forgiveness you're able to receive and walk with in Jesus Christ. Probably make a difference, would it not? Think about what Jesus said. Jesus said, blessed are the merciful for they shall receive mercy. How many of you want God's mercy extended in your life? Absolutely, I do. I need it. Everybody with me? But Jesus said, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. When you are a mercy giver, you put yourself in position to receive the mercy of God in a way that you cannot. Apart from that, in John 13, 34, and 35, Jesus said, a new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples by the love that you have for one another. The world is not going to know that we are followers of Jesus Christ, that he has made a difference in our lives just by gathering in church on Sunday. They're not going to know that we really know God and he's made a difference in our lives by singing songs real loud on Sunday morning. They're not going to know by the amount of technology we have in our worship service, or whether or not I can get through the whole service without burning myself on one of these candles, okay? The world's not going to know, okay? No, the world is going to know that we really know God, and God is making a difference in our lives, and He can make a difference in their lives as well, by, as well by the way that we love not only Him, but we demonstrate it by the way that we love one another. Sometimes that's not easy to do. John, the apostle, is writing this letter to people who we believe, as best we can tell, have been influenced by Gnosticism. One of the heresies located in Gnosticism was that the spirit is good and the physical body is evil. In fact, some would say Jesus couldn't even come in a physical body because he wouldn't have been God. God couldn't do that. And they say he just appeared to be human. No, he really was human. Fully human, yet fully God. And some Gnostics would say it really doesn't matter how you live your life. What matters is the amount of knowledge that you have about God. And John says, yes, it does matter. It matters how 
we obey our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The Christmas season has been called the most wonderful time of the year. In so many ways, it is just that. Amen? How many of you like Christmas season? All right. What do you like about Christmas? Just shout it out. What do you like? Food? Gifts? What else? Family? I thought you said gambling. Family. All right. Lots of great things about Christmas. Christmas movies. Anybody like the Christmas movies? Oh, yeah. Anybody tired of the Christmas movies? All the men like and a couple of women. Oh, yeah, I'm done. All right. A lot of wonderful things about the Christmas season, are they not? How many of you have ever walked out after the Christmas Eve service at a church and the snow has started pouring from the sky? You ever done that? It is amazing. It is beautiful. It's like, wow. I am in awe when I see that. And then I think, now i got to drive five hours through this to get to Missouri, okay? But it's incredible. The world would call it magical. I don't know that that's a good biblical term, but there's something about the Christmas season that is amazing. And in some ways, it is the most wonderful time of the year. But the Christmas season can also be one of the most stressful times of the year, right? You know what I'm saying? How many of you... Have got all your Christmas shopping done. How many of you still got something left to do? It's almost 50-50, okay? You don't have much time, all right? I'm with you. Okay, you know what I'm saying, don't you? Stressful, right? I don't have much time. I got this done. Don't raise your hands, but how many of you feel obligated to buy more gifts than you really have the money to buy? It's like, how am I going to pay for this? They need this, they need that, they need that, they want this, they got to have that. But I don't have the money. Stressful, right? And the Christmas season is so busy. All kinds of activities, and many of them really good activities, but but there's just more to do. And I got to spend time with this family and that family and these in-laws and those outlaws and these people. And it's like, ugh. You know what I'm saying? Or some of you have kids coming to town. It's like, they're only going to stay for two days. And some of you are like, you got to go visit somebody. Say, we got to stay for a whole two days. It's stressful, right? Let me encourage you. In the middle of the stress, this Christmas season, let's go the extra mile. Offer grace. Unmerited, undeserved favor. To the people who are around us. It's not always easy. Sometimes it's exceedingly difficult. I'm reminded of this little old lady who's a lady with with some financial substance. And she's got her brand new Cadillac Escalade SUV. I mean, it's huge. She can barely reach the pedals. But, but she's driving around the shopping mall parking lot in her Cadillac, Cadillac Escalade just a few days before Christmas. And 
The mall is super busy, and she can't find a place to park. She circles the mall three times. She finally finds a parking space up near the door. She starts to pull in when all of a sudden, this little red sports car whips in front of her and takes a parking spot right out from under her nose. To add insult to injury, the young man gets out of his car. He takes his key fob. He clicks it locked. He turns to this little lady in the big Cadillac Escalade and says, that's what you can do when you're young and quick. She backs up her great big Cadillac Escalade about 25 feet. Then she floors it. Rams right into the back of that little red sports car and smashes it to pieces. She rolls down her window about this far and she says, That's what you can do when you're old and rich. <laughs> well, this Christmas season, let's not be like the young and quick or the old and rich. Let's be people of grace. They don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. You don't deserve it. If we got what we deserved, we wouldn't be sitting here today worshiping a Savior. He never would have came. So, if God can offer us grace... May we offer grace to those around us as well.